Um, hello, everybody, and um, uh, thank you so much for coming on a rainy night um, in um, September. Uh, my name is Matthew Hancock. I'm the MP for West Suffolk, which means that I'm the MP um, here uh, but, and in Stoke-by-Clare, uh, but not in Clare itself. And Tim uh, Yeo, the MP, yeah, obviously the long-standing MP for Clare and from Clare to the sea, is held up in a surgery. He's going to be a few minutes late, but he's, um, he's called ahead to say, to say that we should get started. Tim and I wanted to hold this meeting because we heard about the proposals for um, the wind farm um, and um, we visited the site and we were, uh, we're both uh, concerned about it and we want to make sure that we gauge local opinion before um, taking forward uh, views and so that we can represent very effectively um, local views. We have, um, uh, so I just thought I'd set out what we would, what we hope to do this evening. Um, the, I will, I'll ask um, some of your local borough councillors to speak to set out the context, how we got to where we are and exactly where we are in the planning process. Um, I was then going to talk about um, what happens um, next and some of the context in terms of the, um, the national policy and the um, economics and the sort of cost effectiveness of um, wind power and, and why um, we are where we are. And, but what I really want to do, and um, Tim also, is get as much feedback from you as possible. And I know there's a lot of interested parties um, in the room, so I want to make sure that this is as discursive as possible. Um, and um, so that we can really get a good feel that we can um, represent effectively. Um, before I introduce the borough councillors, there's uh, just one more thing to say, which is that um, the decision on the wind farm in the first instance will be taken by the borough council. And of course, those on the planning committee of the borough council can't express an opinion before they decide in planning, um, because that would prejudice the evidence-based um, planning process. These are the rules. And, um, and, and therefore, they're going to set out the, the context of where we're up to, um, rather than um, speaking about what their personal opinion is. So I just wanted to sort of set out that background before we started. Um, this is actually a, um, an, a, a time, the timing of this meeting is very interesting, because um, on the 6th of September this year, the, um, on the 6th of September this year was the first time ever that more than 10% of the UK's electricity production came from wind at any moment over any 24-hour period. It must have been a particularly windy day. Um, there are, in fact, 250 wind farms in the UK, um, onshore and offshore. Most of, the, um, most of these are in Scotland and in the Highlands, where they are... Um, of, they're producing a pretty serious amount of, um, of energy. And certainly, uh, Tim and I come from the position of being in favour of renewable energy, in favour of trying to make our energy supplies more sustainable, um, in favour of offshore wind. Um, but we're very concerned that trying to get economic, um, environmental benefits from local um, wind farms are, don't compromise the environment itself in the visual environment and um, the local environment in which um, we all live. So 
um, that's the, you know, the, the, where we're coming from is from a position of um, a very considered position where we want to make sure that where we get renewable energy, but we get renewable energy in the right places and in the right way and without compromising um, too much the natural environment that many of us have, um, have moved here or chosen here because of and because it's such a beautiful part of the world. Um, so, having said that, um, I just I want to introduce your well. Maybe why don't you come up and introduce yourselves to uh, our councillors, and then you can and, and set out some of the context for um, uh, where the planning decision is and how it's um, um, uh, um, and what the next steps are. Uh, thank you, Matt. I, I didn't actually expect to come and sing for my supper tonight, but uh, I, I can. I hope put some of the context into the stage at which this application has reached. Um, and it's my understanding, uh, but I haven't been involved in the negotiation at all with the landowners or BT. Both Jane and myself, I'm the borough councillor on St Edmundsbury for Cavendish, and Jane is the borough councillor for Clare. Dorothy Whitaker, who is the Borough Councillor for Hundon here is unable to be with us today, but uh, all three of us do sit on, as Matt said, uh, the Local Borough Planning Committee. This application, as far as I understand, was as a result of the landowner approaching uh, various uh, wind-generating organisations because he wanted to build a wind farm on his land. And that then has generated BP in the early planning process for uh, trying to get a successful planning application through. Two things have worried me, and this uh, I would seek clarification for our officers as well, that there was no overall consideration from the landowner as to the very best place within the Stour Valley or this particular area if a wind farm had to be erected. Uh, and so it's very much a result, I believe, of a single application by a single landowner. And the process so far is that BT, on his behalf, and they did give a presentation in Clare, of which I know some of us went to, and, and sought some questions, uh, and and they, were, they were saying that they were happy to assist in this application because they needed to spread out their green credentials as a multinational firm. Uh, one of my comments to the uh, uh, people there was it, it would be much better if they put their energies into the science of undergrounding electricity cables rather than generating more onshore wind. But that was a personal opinion. Um, and it also falls on the edge of the Star Valley project, which coupled with the AONB, the area of outstanding national beauty, which is the Dedham Vale, of which both Jane and myself sit on as uh, borough council representatives. And it is the policy of the AONB to resist uh, onshore wind farms in sensitive uh, landscape positions and, and this is ideally one of those sites because 
although not in the AONB, it certainly is on the High Valley side and is visible from uh, a wide area within the Stour Valley and also from the Essex side of the valley. So um, uh, the early stages of the negotiation then came forward with a, an early planning application uh, for a, a monitoring mast uh, that was to be put up uh, on the land to monitor the wind speed. And uh, questions have been asked whether BP are prepared to tell us what their ambient wind speed needs to be and whether it will be reached from that particular location. But I'm not sure of the outcome of that request at the moment. So um, that came before the planning committee. And in planning terms and national planning policy terms, Matt is absolutely right, um, there is a presumption to allow wind turbines to generate the required amount of renewable energy uh, under EU regulations. And that is built in. That certainly was one of the policy planning statements within the 2004 Planning Act under the last government. And what they said, which is very alarming, is that uh, uh, landscape uh, 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 fears and landscape worries was not a material interest in refusing an application, which is quite worrying. Uh, I hope that blow may have been softened by the coalition, but I'm not absolutely clear whether the PPS has been rescinded. So uh, there is a presumption within the planning system to, refuse, uh, to approve this, which is very worrying. So we have to fight it. Um, if you object to it on landscape terms, um, within the policies maybe of the Stour Valley and Dedham Vale project. And uh, then uh, the various uh, objections can be brought forward to the eventual planning application. Um, I am fortunate, and so is Tim, and he may well mention it later, that we had a similar application in my ward uh, near the village of Corkadon uh, for six turbines of very similar size. And um, the same scenario rolled out there, but eventually the landowner felt that they would withdraw the application because of opposition uh, and local protest. So uh, it, it is very much in your court as to what you feel you want to do. We certainly will listen within the borough intently uh, on local opinion uh, and, and hope that uh, that pressure locally may override uh, a national policy uh, and, and we can get a proper balance. There's, there's a lot of morality <coughs> in the whole uh, construction of wind, wind farms uh, and the subsidies that are, uh, are given to the various applicants uh, and that's for you to judge uh, whether uh, that is right or not. But my main worry is that this particular wind farm is cited just at the behest and the request of the landowner and that a wider consideration for the best possible site, if we have to have one, has not been taken across the whole of the area. Um, and I just hope we may be able to explore that further because I, I think that's quite a salient point. It's really anybody, anywhere, could put an application in for a wind farm. That doesn't mean that's in the best place. 
So you can see the dilemma that we face in the borough. Um, I'm sure the local councillors will be very much guided by local opinion uh, and try and frame that local opinion within the planning uh, scoping rules uh, uh, for wind energy. And um, it will be an exciting uh, planning application. Um, but I, I, I don't know whether uh, James, you have a name wants to say um, Well, that is such a marvellous speech that I really could not, I could not follow it. Um, so I will just thank you on behalf of everybody for, for such a succinct and interesting um, speech. Um, now I'd quite like to um, open it, open the discussion to the floor. Um, so um, for those... Um, I was just wondering, if it's going to be difficult to reject the application on the basis of reflecting the landscape, what about taking into account the noise pollution that will be suffered by the immediate neighbours? Can you take that into account in the planning process? The, the, um, I just wanted to add one update, which is that the target for wind turbines in any particular district, which was driving um, a, the presumption to accept, um, has now been abolished. So although um, it would take um, an act of parliament and primary legislation to change, the, um, to change what you can take into account, um, the, the, um, the pressure through the target to increase the number of wind turbines has al already been abolished. The new government's done that. So, but on the... What about on, on that on from wind. the noise point of view of the neighbours? Uh, I, I think, and I'm not going to quote absolute figures, but the, the flicker effect from turbine blades uh, is a material uh, consideration and the various uh, distances from the nearest turbine is critical and there's a resident here in the heights of Clare, which would certainly be downwind of the prevailing wind direction where one would expect, uh, expect any uh, uh, noise and flicker to affect the nearest houses. Well, my neighbour and I will be the closest resident to the turbine, mm. 0.5 a kilometre away. I have three young children, and I just find it appalling that the, this could even be considered without consultation before we even get as far as the Met Mart going up. The, uh, in South Wales, there was a, um, a, a set of turbines, a, pro a proposal of 10 turbines, uh, that was rejected on the grounds that it was near an area of outstanding natural <coughs> beauty. And in Norfolk, there was a proposal, again for 10 turbines, that was turned down because it was within two and a half miles of a listed building. And, um, and, and that um, that was the that was a material consideration. So, are the planning committee allowed to use those precedents in their in their discussion when they're making their decision? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, the first thing I'd like to say is um, I didn't actually get to this Metmark because I thought no, they'll never find enough wind. And I am the neighbour. And when I spoke to BT, they said we already know there's enough wind. The Metmark is to decide what sort of turbine to put there. Right. So they already know that they have sufficient wind at that site. Well, at 99 metres off the, off the ground, it's normally quite windy up there. Yeah, so that's, that's the first thing. This is really more of a government-related thing. Yeah. The Welsh Assembly, the German government, the French government, and I think there's another government. The Danish government. Yes. The Danish government have all put into place recommendations that no wind turbines of that size, because we're not talking about the size that were put up 10 years ago no, when you're it's a, in terms yeah. of the king, 
that none are put nearer than one and a half or two kilometres to houses. And these turbines are built for a lot of houses. That sounds like an extremely sensible rule, and one, in fact, I'm, I've uh, supported in Parliament all day. And maybe after we've taken a few um, more um, people, I might, I'll talk about some of the things that the coalition is talking about and thinking about in terms of the long term. But the thing is that to fight this particular proposal, um, it's a matter of the, the local planning decision. <coughs> Fighting the fr changing the framework in which um, there's a huge subsidy for onshore wind um, is, a, is a longer battle and an important battle to get to make sure that, that is balanced correctly. <coughs> but for this particular matter here in Hundon and in Clare, um, that has to be fought within the existing framework because there isn't time to change the framework. So I'll talk about that later. Does that? Uh, uh, well, I was allowed to send you a moratorium until the decision was made, and I was suggesting well, that maybe you should as well. That's a, a good suggestion. Was the gentleman at the back? Yeah. Has, uh, has anybody actually had a look at the access roads? How is <coughs> anybody going to get this roundabout wind farm, uh, wind uh, turbine, up these very, very narrow roads? And, and also, another point is that BT was saying about how it's their green credentials, which I think is absolute nonsense. They gave a figure of the carbon that is produced while the manufacturer per, ter per turbine is recouped in 10 months. Now, I've done a little bit of research on this. That is assuming that all the energy to make these um, turbines, i.e. Uh, refining raw materials, manufacture, uh, it actually comes from a wind turbine. Whereas if it comes from a coal-fired um, station, that's 214 times more CO2. So now we have a figure of about 180 years to recoup the carbon that is produced during the manufacture. That is while the uh, turbine is running efficiently. And yet the government have just done a survey which says that on, on uh, terrestrial wind farms generally run something like 20% efficiency. Now this brings up to a figure of 900 years. This sounds like they're trying to con us. I'd, um, I, 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 some of these points are extremely good. Um, some of these points are extremely good. We are recording the meeting so that I can take down all of the points. But what I would, what I would say at this point is that on the points like that, um, I, would re I would appreciate it if you would also email in to me afterwards, because then I can collate all of these points can, in the, in the, in the broader argument. How much subsidy BT get yeah. for erecting the wind farm? It depends how quickly the wind blows, but um, no, no, no. it's a valid point that these from, things are... From the EU, it's pretty, it's pretty basic, actually. It's, it's about it's actually 40 pence a unit that the electricity companies and the government have to buy one unit for 40p, which they sell to you for 10p. No, I to, I, absolutely. The whole, the, the economics of, of onshore wind is based on subsidy. And, and free money for BT. Absolutely. Could I, could I bring some other people? Could I bring, could I bring some other people at our expense. Yeah, um, hello, Mark. Yeah, Simon Cairns from here, uh, Suffolk Federation Society. Um, you're, I don't know how many of you here today are familiar with us. Um, we've been campaigning now for 80 years to protect the special qualities of Suffolk. But with regard to our specific questions for Mark, um, you've obviously inherited a whole set of planning policies from previous administrations. 
within that PPS 22 and the companion guide is extremely permissive for wind. Now what we'd like to see is obviously a change to that primary policy to allow a more balanced judgment to be made, particularly in populated landscapes um, like South Suffolk. Um, we believe that the government has got the power, as you did overnight, to change PPS 3 with regard to um, garden grabbing and the classification of, of brownfield sites. And we believe it is in, in the coalition's power to quite quickly um, look at revisions to PPS 22 to make it a much more balanced judgment that can be made. Um, we personally, uh, uh, and I include National CPRE within this, strongly believe that whether you're living in a designated landscape such as Mayor and B or not, landscape quality is something which is valued by local residents. And talking about localism, whether you're a local within A or B or a local without, you still place a significant value on the tranquility <coughs> and character of the place in which you live. That's the, the very decision that you've made to live here. And, and so we'd strongly like to see some revisions to that. But also, as, as, as has been voiced here this evening, there are severe distortions in the energy market. Yeah. And you know we've all seen where government subsidies and distortions and inefficiencies lead. Now, we're strongly supported in principle of green energy, but it has to be sound. It has to be based on something that's genuinely valued, uh, viable. And we'd like to see the coalition government really look at that and look at an even playing field so that other technologies which may be far more sustainable are given a chance. Uh, um, you know, we, we've got no problem with green energy. We, we, we are strong proponents of, of, of sustainable energy. But we think it's really important that uh, a balanced and rational assessment is made. is isn't based on uh, in, industry interests. <coughs> uh, Matt, can I just I intervene know. just, just <laughs> very slightly? Just, um, you're very concerned, and I understand this, about the moral aspects of the application. Um, the planners will only take in material considerations which either have to be law or they don't. That is the great fear. What I would urge you uh, is to uh, form an action committee, uh, and certainly Tim was involved in the action committee for the Hunden, uh, for the uh, Hawkerden uh, turbine application. There is a great deal of expertise out there already and it can be easily updated uh, to save you actually starting from scratch. We, as borough councillors, uh, aren't able to form that. We can, but then we have to take ourselves back from the voting procedure. So uh, that's, I, I, would, I would seriously think about forming an action committee so that Matt uh, and ourselves uh, can take action on your behalf. Yeah, nobody has mentioned cost if this went ahead, would it mean cheaper electricity for people living in the area? No. 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 Um, this, uh, two people at the back. The um, chap in the blue shirt. Um, I was just wondering whether um, a much more interesting alternative would be a renewable project where the energy credits came back to the community in the form of sort of ring fence additional revenue back to the school. There's yes. tons of money. I work in this area. Yeah. As, as you know, massive grants. Yeah. Um, but 
But I do think that, uh, uh, you know, just to say no wind farm, I think that every community has actually a responsibility to have a renewable project somewhere um, in some form. It doesn't necessarily have to be this one, and I understand and respect people's, you know, reasons why it shouldn't be this one, but just to, to put all of the energy into just stopping this without doing something else means that actually what we're doing is, you know, that we've got the honourable people trying to protect our, protect the area, but actually, you know, unwittingly, over time, it, these meetings are happening all over the country at the moment, and they're slowing down the sort of the, the government targets that you're talking about, which lead into the EU targets, which then also lead into the fact that we have to reduce emissions by 60 to 80 percent by 2050, or we're going to have some very serious problems with climate change. So, all of you know, so so yeah. yes, but an alternative is uh, would be a good idea. I think it's really important in our in thinking about all this to separate out how we react to the fact that there are, there's a proposal for six um, 199 and a half metre high turbines just down the road from the future policy framework because some of the flaws in that framework and some of the reasons for it have been, um, have been brought out because this um, application will be decided on the existing policy framework and then there's a question of what, what we do, what the coalition does, what the government does in the future and changes that are made to the proposal. For instance, um, your, um, uh, as I said at the start, since 10% of, uh, for the first time, 10% of energy came from uh, wind two weeks ago. And um, that was, uh, but nearly all of that is in the highlands of, well, this was according to the national grid. So, point but, but, two. But, the, but the broader point is that nearly all of, the, of this is in, um, is in large, um, distant places. It's in, um, there's a lot in Scotland and there's a lot in Northumberland and the addition of six wind farms, six turbines here would be um, extremely marginal on that. So I, yeah, I, take, your, I take your point. Can I just, I'm going to go to the... The generating of the electricity is an industrial concern. Let it be placed on industrial land, not on the countryside. Well, that's a very, point very well made. Can I ask a question about that? Is it true that if, if, the, if the turbine scheme was to get approved, that the area would be reclassified from rural to semi-industrial? That, that's not true. It's not my understanding at the moment. It, it hasn't happened in other areas yeah. where turbines. I don't, are. I, don't, I don't exactly know how we would stop that because in the case of Gillingham and the Medway Council, that is exactly what happened, and then the noise levels were allowed to be high, and none of the residents knew that that had happened. Well, that it, this shows how sensitive these these things are, and there are. Uh, but similarly, in Cheshire and Norfolk and South Wales, um, proposals like this have been ha haven't gone ahead. So that just um, shows how important it is to think about all these things. May I ask a question? Uh, if Wim Tower was a total answer, why do we not have it's a very good point, sir. Um, it was, uh, the gentleman at the back. Uh, if my comment is being really non-technical, um, I'm a supporter of renewable energy. Welcome to <laughs> Yes, carry, carry on, and then I'll bring Tim in. I'm a supporter of renewable energy. the right sort in the right place that is cost-effective. But, for me, the test is really what are the benefits or disadvantages from Clare and the surrounding villages. Yeah. 
I think, as I see it, and I may be wrong, there appears to be no benefit, only the degradation of an attractive Suffolk landscape, and a very considerable intrusion on historical settlements, particularly the children's settlements, which is the nearest. The actual benefits only accrue to the landowner, and BT will make a fortune from subsidies and carbon trade credits. Now, that's a one-way equation, and it doesn't make sense for us, in my view. Um, I think there's also a very huge question about the viability of onshore wind farms. And I think this government, any government, is in the position that it might, might waste a huge amount of taxpayers' money on building this, particularly on a small hill in Suffolk. I don't think it makes a blind bit of sense. I think the plan must be stopped in some way. Thank you, sir. Um, I'll now uh, bring in Tim Yeo, and I'm uh, delighted you could make it. Um, and um, uh, just to bring, to maybe to sum up the first half hour of the meeting, um, we have, um, um, I gave an overview, and then we heard from the, um, the council about where the planning process is up to. Um, I thought that um, I represented our views, so I thought it might be worth you also having a word to, so that everybody can check that they're broadly the same. Um, it's like a blind test to see whether <laughs> actually I did fairly represent you. Um, but also, um, we met with BT um, yesterday with the head of public affairs and the head of their uh, Wind for Change project. Uh, and I thought maybe you'd bring everybody up to date with what, uh, with where BT I think they are in the process. Uh, thanks very much. And my profuse apologies for being late. I had a surgery in Sudbury which overran by a huge margin, and I had every intention of being here before anybody else at about 10 to 8. Uh, so apologies for that. Firstly, let me say I'm delighted to see so many people here. It's really encouraging and important if this campaign is to succeed, uh, that it should have the maximum possible participation. Uh, many of you will know we had a, a wind farm proposal about three or four years ago, a little way to the north of here, uh, where some extremely high turbines were proposed, which have been visible for about 20 miles around, higher than the top of St. Edward's Cathedral. Uh, and there was a concerted local campaign there very effectively run, good use of the media, and that proposal was withdrawn. Now, uh, I, I don't underestimate the challenge in relation to BT, uh, but of course I mustn't prejudge the mood of the meeting. If it, it turns out there's overwhelming support uh, for this proposal, then I will go away and shut up. But judging by the contribution I heard from John just now, it doesn't, if that's at all representative, I guess the majority probably share uh, my view. Um, but let me just step back a bit. I, I'm a very, very committed supporter for increasing the proportion of electricity generated in Britain from renewable sources. I think that's absolutely vital for our future. I think it's vital environmentally. I also think it's very beneficial e economically as well if it's the right sort of renewable energy. And as it happens, a lot of onshore wind is actually almost economic. Uh, offshore wind does need a quite a substantial subsidy, but, but well, you may say no, that you, you, it all depends on your assumptions. Obviously, you think the oil price is going to stay at about $75, yes, but it won't. Uh, in five years' time, energy prices will be very, very much higher than they are today, uh, and therefore a lot of onshore wind will be almost economic. But that doesn't mean to say we have to have it here. Uh, you can be uh, a supporter of renewable energy as I am. You can believe that onshore wind has a part to play in the UK's energy mix as I do, but that does not mean that onshore <coughs> wind farms should be imposed on communities where there is strong legitimate resistance on environmental grounds. 
And that seems to me to be the case here. This is not a suitable place to erect high wind turbines. Uh, and if that is the view of the community generally, then we need to mount an urgent and effective campaign against this. BT is a formidable applicant. They have huge resources at their disposal. They've got a very ambitious target uh, for uh, wind farms across the whole of England, and maybe uh, the whole of the UK, in fact. And as Matt says, we had a meeting with them yesterday, a uh, pretty frank meeting, though they came, I thought, surprisingly ill-prepared for it. Um, uh, and I said, well, they'd be welcome to come along tonight. They said, oh, we only just heard about it. Well, I don't know where they've been buried for the last month, because this hasn't exactly been a private meeting. Uh, anyway, um, uh, I do urge you, uh, if you have concerns, or even if you don't have concerns, do contact BT directly. It is worth doing that. It's worth making them aware of what the local opinion is. Please also, if any of you who live, who live in my constituency, I appreciate some of you don't, probably maybe about half and half here, and uh, I'm delighted that Matt and I are able to work, uh, I think, without a, even a wafer-thin piece of paper between us on this matter. Um, if any of you who live in my constituency have not yet contacted me, please do. I don't know what your views are until you told me. I can't discover them in vacuo. Please, if you have contacted me and you have an email address, make sure I have your email address. The best way to conduct campaigns like this is by email. So if you've got an email address... Yes, have we got a sheet? Is there a sheet going around? Yes. Great, OK. Um, we'll need two copies of it. Well, we'll have to find some way of dividing it up. It is absolutely crucial we should do that. Uh, secondly, please make your views known publicly as widely as possible on every possible occasion. Write to the papers, get onto Radio Suffolk, uh, uh, badger uh, uh, St Edmundsy Council. Do all those things. They, they all add up to uh, an effective uh, campaign. Um, there's, there's, there's no doubt in my view that uh, this, this is a very serious proposal. Uh, BT have got a serious national programme. They will do all they can to get it through. Uh, and so we're going to need to mount a very strong campaign against it if, if that is people's wish. And I'm ready to do anything I can uh, to assist that process. Um, uh, I don't think I need to say any more than that. Matt, Matt has probably done everything else. Well, let me, let me um, thank you very much, Tim. And um, I, as I um, uh, expected, I agree with every single word that um, uh, Tim said. And so we are entirely on the same page on this. Um, but uh, And we were taking the mood of the meeting, and I think you represented it reasonably well. I have to say that the, um, the, the one statement that you heard after you came in was, um, um, was, was pretty representative, if not quite as uh, strongly argued as, um, as some have been. Um, in, uh, yeah. How are you? Uh, two questions. One for Tim. What was the ground on which Auckland was actually finally refused? Or was it just a question of the landowner crying down? No, it was withdrawn in the end. Right. So we don't have any specific known bullets that will shoot down an application of this sort? Well, I think, I think we, we, what we do know is that it, it was withdrawn because they thought they wouldn't get it through, uh, and the objections which led them to conclude that were the very substantial visual impact. Uh, I think that was the overriding one in the case of Hockerton, because uh, it was going to be visible for a very considerable, uh, over a very considerable area. I think the lack of local benefit, the point that John uh, Colicott was making when I came in, is another legitimate one. What is the what is the advantage? What, you know, the benefit accrues in a tiny infinitesimal way, but it's spread across the whole country. The burden is entirely borne by this community, mm. uh, and I think that's a, quite a strong objection as well. I think in the case of BT, the one 
card we might be able to play, because they're going to be applying for these things all over the place. If they try and ram them through in places where there's overriding local objection, they may think that their lives will be made, lives will be made more difficult when they go elsewhere. I'm oh, sorry, I've got <coughs> another point I just want to make. I, I went to the meeting um, with BT yes. and Claire, and yeah. there, there were three things in particular. The one about six weeks ago? Yeah, yeah. in July. Two things I thought were quite interesting. One was that we were told that the turbines would be sufficient to power 5,000 houses, right. which is Claire and State by Claire, no more. Right. So I was really shocked that um, only six turbines would only provide that amount of power. Yes. The other thing I thought was very interesting was that the blades, they're going to come by sea to Ipswich, they will then be transported by road to the site, and they are 40 metres long, that's three container lorries put together, and they have to be transported in one piece. And I don't really see how they can possibly get them here. And I've you know, been running through the road oh, network in my head, but I mean, there is, you know, they'd have to get the A30 and then come down somehow for Bury. And for me, it seems to be that almost is a... Yes, I, I had similar. I had similar concerns when I and drove around near the site. And um, since it's difficult to pass an oncoming car, I came to exactly the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> from Chilton Street, they would have to build the road to start off from Chilton Street up the hill. But um, you know, the, 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 uh, ninety degree bends and scourging and so on. Did you have? Yeah, but, um, uh, yeah, yeah, but the, um, the other thing I just wanted to ask whether, whether Brooks Newmark, is he in Yes, the, Brooks Newmark, I spoke to Brooks about this yesterday, yeah. and he is in um, exact agreement with Tim and I, okay. in favour of uh, renewable energy in principle, but not <coughs> where it harms the local environment too much, like here. Because the, and the, the only point, the only small point I want to make was that I did look at BT's website, yeah. and you know they've done these mock-ups of photographs of what the yeah. landscape would look like. And the one place they haven't taken a photograph mm. of is the road from Stradishaw down into Clare, where you do have the most beautiful view yes. across the south in Absolutely, and that, in fact, that spot, that spot is where um, there's a there was a photo of me in one of the national papers uh, a couple yes. of weeks ago um, explaining that this was where oh, right, they wanted okay. to put six um, six well, turbines. And, and however, BT told us that if there's any spot at which we think that they need to do a photo montage, then they're obliged to do that. Okay. So if you um, if you write to me okay. uh, suggesting that spot, then I'll make sure that BT do it. Or go and contact them directly as well. But okay. they have an obligation to do that from any spot. Okay. I find it very alarming, the misconceptions about wind power at all. Um, it doesn't produce electricity, the amount of electricity that both you and Tim, I think, mentioned this evening mm. to start. It also requires three times the backup capacity for each turbine, three times the cabling to get the electricity from the turbine to the country, because it has to handle peak output. I mean, why, you cannot, you, can, you find this out eventually by spending hours on the internet searching it out. But the only Two years. information <laughs> on, I can find, which seems to be prevalent, you know, everyone knows about, is actually disseminated from the BWEA. I don't think. I honestly don't think we'll defeat this proposal by having a debate about the efficiency of wind power no, in general. But the question I think is, how do we get you, who are convinced that alternative energy can actually supply the needs of this country, to change your mind? Because I, as a qualified Cambridge-educated electrical engineer, have done two years of calculations and come to the conclusion it's bloody impossible. I didn't well, say. I think it's really important. 
in this campaign that we separate out two things. One is what happens to us here in um, Hundon and Clare, and the second is about future policy, which is um, equally important for the whole country. But, it's, but we won't fight this wind farm on national type arguments about what, how the policy well, framework well, should well, be. There's some and, and, Parliament uh, who actually If we win the national argument, there is no argument here. I think that's a, it's a bigger challenge to try as a group of protesters from Clare, not all who may even be in agreement with your view, to win that argument. I've got a better chance of focusing on this proposal. But just as you use the term alternative energy, which because I did not use, I use renewable energy. That's the one I meant to use. Okay, well, let, let's try and get the terms correct if we can. Um, I, I, I do think it's not sensible. Uh, there's, a, there's a commitment by the government, as, as there was by the previous government, to increase, increase the proportion of electricity generated by renewable sources, of which wind is one. To get that policy overturned will require a debate of at least 10 years. I don't think that's even helpful to the context that we're now in, which is trying to see off a proposal, which is before the council, will be determined sometime in 2011. Can I, can I, can I take can I, the lady on the front row? We'll, we'll to reduce carbon, become increased renewables, the even lady on the it's inefficient and produce more carbon. Thank you very much. How does that happen? The lady on the front row. Can I ask you, you mentioned about in Wales where a planning application was refused yes. because of the context of the listed buildings. And that was in uh, Norfolk. North, in, right. North, in North Norfolk. Now, surely Clare is one of the most precious little towns we've got in this part of the country. I think this would be an extremely useful argument and to pursue. And I think, you know, there are a lot of listed buildings all around here. Yeah. And to actually then inflict something like this on that particular site Absolutely. would really uh, damage that little town. And don't forget we've got the tourist potential too in Clare. So it would damage the local economy as well. Um, the gentleman. Can I just ask some clarification on timescales as to when, you know, when do we need to get the pressure? When do we need to be at its peak? Right now. We need right to. Now. When, right is, now. when is the next meeting? Of, uh, uh, that's not determined yet. Uh, there will be uh, a, a scoping report brought forward. A lot of consultation with the planners. Uh, best guess is 2011, but we have no specific date. They've got to run the data from this MetMast as well uh, to then bring um, forward. Um, I don't think there's a specific three period. Years. Three years, I think. Um, um, can I just ask, Specific so, distance rule as yet. No. There could be a house. It, it could be in the car park. The legal and that would be. That, that wouldn't be. In, in Europe, if one challenged and said we should follow 
the it, same law. There is, yeah, there's no, there's no set rule on the distance from the turbine to the nearest house. There is the, the rules are about the, are the framework is um, around which the borough planning authority makes its decision. And then the there are health grounds. And uh, there are there are there are lots of material considerations, but there's no form, there's no strict limit, um, absolute limit. And there's in that no way. compensation for loss of value of no. your property. No. no. Uh, at the same position for any pr pr approved development, and once it's really approved, you don't get compensation. Sir. About the closeness of these uh, wind turbines, I live in Chilton Street, and in fact, the houses along Chilton Street where I live are all within one mile of all the turbines. The nearest two turbines are less than 600 yards away. Yes. They're on rising ground, high, yes. so they will not only look 300 foot high, but they'll look 300 plus the ground, which may be 80, 90, whatever it is, 100 feet. Quite so. So they'll, they'll be miles of, uh, a long, long way above us, and they're only 600 yards away from the two of them are only 600 yards away from my house. BT admitted to us that they are on the highest point around here. That's that's still. Still. Sir. Mm. There was a similar proposal put forward for an area in Cheshire yeah. a couple of years ago. Yeah. And it was eventually overturned because yes. there was a concerted campaign against it. Absolutely. And that uh, campaign generated a website which was called Stop the Wind Turbine. Yes. And I think that's a very useful site for everybody who's opposed to the wind turbines to look at. Because it does contain a huge amount of very relevant, very useful material that we could plagiarise, follow. And also, the chairman of that committee, who I know indirectly, has volunteered to give us advice and guidance on how to go about it. Yes. If we are interested in taking him up on his offer. I have spoken to somebody involved in that campaign. Uh, called John Sellers, um, who's involved in that website, and um, I think that that's a, it's a very good point. One of the things that I want to do, we'll, if I take a couple more, and then I think we should take the, I mean, the mood of the meeting is pretty clear, um, and it would be interesting to know whether, it's, whether there's a unanimous view. Um, and then one of the things we want to do is get your contact details and your email addresses and we will circulate a lot of this, um, a lot of the information on on process on how to go about this campaign. Um, I think I, I probably speak for both of us in saying that um, I've certainly been struck by the strength of feeling. I came in pretty. I, I had a pretty strong view about um, how you'd be feeling about it before I walked in the door, but it's been confirmed and redoubled by everything that you've said. And so this is absolutely a campaign that um, that I'm going to fight to make sure that we uh, to make sure that we win it. Um, are there any more? Um, yes. So yeah, a lady thanks. mentioned a lady mentioned that the blades yes. by themselves would be about 40 meters. Now, does anybody know that the turbines that propose to go in this place, how high, how big they actually would be? The 99 and a half metres is at the tip of the top turbine. 99 so that is, so if they're 40, if each blade is 40 metres, the centre would be 59 metres off the ground. So you could see that from some considerable distance away. Well, they are <coughs> the, they are on the highest point near here. Yeah. Because there's one in Swaffle. 
There it's is. It's been there for years. Yes. Not far from the town center. Yes. And it looks, I mean, it dwarfs everything around it. That, and the Swatham turbine is a small, old-style turbine. This one is significant. The, the potential here is significantly larger than the Swatham. The, the point about it is that they're getting more efficient. They are actually generating more electricity. But to do that, they have to be bigger. And so the old ones, as Matt says, were quite small. But the new ones are these 100-metre uh, turbines, which actually uh, are needed to maximise the use of the wind. Uh, and that's why all the applications in future will be not only sited on the most windy and therefore visible parts of the country, they'll also have even bigger turbines. So that's why this would be extremely interesting. It'll be visible for miles around. It's not just a Clare or a Hunton issue. It's a Cavendish issue. It's probably a Long Melford issue. It's uh, all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> it won't. Well, uh, electricity prices will go up. Whether we have this or not, electricity prices will be much higher in five years' time. Sir? Yeah, um, Simon Cairns again from the Suffolk Preservation Society. Um, one of the issues with regard to the proximity to, to houses, as you know, is, is noise. And there are set guidelines, the FCR 97 guidelines, which have, have shown to basically permit a five decibel increase in nighttime noise levels um, for surrounding residential properties. Now, this is something that is in the coalition's power to change the FCR 97 noise threshold criteria. We understand that a Freedom of Information request was made to the previous administration, which showed that the recommending threshold was actually lowered on the basis that it would be too, um, too restrictive for turbine developments, um, and, and therefore was pressed downwards from the then consultant's recommendations to the government. So what we'd strongly advise is that there are no restrictions with regard to proximity to houses, but one way of doing this is actually to change the national policy with regard to FCR 97. And that is something that, I mean, Eric Pickles changed PPS3 overnight, you could do this. Can I just, uh, just um, what you need to consider is, is how your campaign will eventually influence either government or the local planning committee. Uh, because they will have an officer report with details such as that in it. But the committee will be influenced by moral decisions, local fears, local campaigns, uh, the, the Stour Valley uh, and uh, uh, Dedham Vale OMB, they, they have a policy against it. So you must get expert advice from wherever you can, but then form your opinions and your protest around localism. And, and this is what the government is promoting at the moment, but they want sensible localism, not just nimbyism. Madam. Just two very small things. Uh, and one of the things we'd like to play a meeting on is our We do need to work as a group. We do need to come together. 
Um, I have to say, uh, as passionate as I've been about it, my first question will not stand leaving this kind of thing. Yeah. But I personally thought that I had in my life would be very, very keen well, to become involved. So what I'm looking for is, we need a leader. Thank you very much. I'm going to take three more points, and then I thought I might be able to sum up in terms of next steps, if that's okay with you. Um, if we go um, to... I just wanted to make a comment. I don't know if the members of the council know about what happened with the Wadlow wind farm over at Ratting. That those proposals were rejected by the parish council and by South Cambridgeshire Borough Council. And the planning inspector went to the Secretary of State, um, who overruled on the basis it didn't matter what local people thought, it was a national policy. And I'd like some reassurance from the MPs here tonight that Chris Hume would not do the same thing. It won't be a matter of him to decide. I wish we could. There is a. Um, I, I've spoken at length about this to the um, the permanent undersecretary, uh, Charles Hendry, who is um, actually responsible rather than the Secretary of State, and he could not prejudice a decision by that like that by stating his view in advance. Um, but um, how should I put it? We have had an election between then and now. But the Wadlow wind farm is going ahead despite enormous local and borough council you know, Well, I, I can say this and others may not agree, but we did get rid of the last government who did lots of things that people didn't like. But the, but the wind farm is still <laughs> going ahead though because it's an old decision. Absolutely. And, I, and the people who live around there are going to have to live with it. I in also, fact, even though they you know, <coughs> against it. I wanted the election to come sooner as well. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, but um, we did what we could. Uh, sir? Yeah, uh, it's a question for the planning team, actually. Uh, the, the meeting I went to at uh, BT six weeks ago, I asked them once they got the power off these uh, turbines, how do they get it up to the grid? And the thing that they would not determine is whether it's got to put it up on metal pylons because of the power, whether it would go underground, but underground was a greater cost to them. So how do they get the power? And will you be able to comment then if they start saying, yes, they're going to go for the turbines, but then Claire had also got to take a whole raft of these big metal pylons through the town to get it up to the top of the Hill, which is where they want to get it back up yeah. onto the grid. B BT actually discussed that, that very point with us yesterday, uh, and they say no metal structures, there will be some wooden poles required to link it to the grid. Uh, that's, that, well, I'm just telling you what Rita have told us, that's all. Uh, and so, so uh, we, can, we can ask for that to be specified. Indeed, I'm sure it's part of the planning application, uh, precisely the height and nature of any poles. But uh, I, I mean, I think that it is a further ground for concern, but I don't think it's going to be the main area of objection. What's your conversation with BT or with BT Consultants? BT. We had the head of public affairs and the head of the project, Wind for Change, they call it, which is trying to and put up wind farms. Well, I, I expected them to come in, knowing that we were probably going to be uh, approaching this, at least in a questioning uh, uh, mode, with a lot of detailed information about, you know, it'll be visible for a radius of six miles to the west and so on. None of that information was available. Uh, there was scarcely any grasp of actually what the timetable was. So uh, it was, I mean, frankly, it was a bit of a waste of time from our point of view. We didn't keep them too long because they weren't, didn't have anything very helpful to disclose. 
but I imagine they do have a lot more information somewhere tucked away in BT, which they're presumably talking to St. Edmundsby about right now. Thank you very much. Um, there's, I, there's very, it's now it's nine o'clock. I just wanted, I wonder whether it's worth um, taking, I want to take the move of the meeting more formally because I, all the voices um, have been um, uh, against with one, um, with one exception um, about the national framework. But I wanted, in terms of, if we were to go away and say that the public meeting here was um, unanimously against this specific proposal for six 99.5 metre high uh, turbines, um, near here, this specific proposal. Um, would anybody have an objection to that? I wouldn't yeah. object, but what I would say is I, I would abstain. I can't do, doing the job that I do, I can't object to a wind farm, but I think it would be a good idea to research and find an alternative in the community, because I just think every community does have responsibility to, okay. to address the issue as it is. Understood. So that's a. So no, that's. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, so that's. I'd so that just like to support that as well. That, you know, yeah. Somebody, over the last 10, 15 years, efforts to reduce the carbon footprint of Britain have failed. We've produced more CO2 now than when we started all this stuff in Kyoto because everyone's using more and more and more. And the way to stop having to despoil our countryside with nuclear power stations, coal power stations, wind energy, whatever it is, is actually to use less. Nobody is using this, and that's what's got to happen. So, uh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I agree with all of that, and I'm still against this particular proposal right on our course. Right. Terrific. Um, the next step is that um, is that we need to have a campaign. This campaign camp is going to be uh, supported strongly by, um, by me, by Tim, um, and we can both advise and we can open doors and we can make a racket in the media, um, but it's best if it's led by you. And so um, we've got your contact details and we'll be getting in contact with everybody who's put them down. But if there's anybody, um, but we need to find, you know, if, if, there's, if, there's, if, you, want, if you want to volunteer to to, uh, to get a group together and to be on that uh, to group and help, then please do so. Please get in contact um, in the next um, couple, in the next week or so. Um, and um, I think it's best if somebody takes this uh, project on with a team who are supporting them and pulling the argument together and fighting it. And we will be absolutely supportive, but it's probably best if it isn't actually um, led by the politicians, but led by the community. So uh, I have no, uh, but uh, Tim and I both have a lot of campaigning experience. Um, Tim actually has more than me, um, but um, uh, but that but that uh, you know, and we will help in every way that we possibly can. But I think the most helpful thing is if the, if it, it's a community-driven uh, campaign to make sure that uh, these things don't happen. And you've heard from the councillors who are actually making the decision, and um, and you've heard from us. And if you have any, the first thing is please contact BT directly. Secondly, if you haven't already written to your local MP, whether it's Tim or I, or Brooks in Essex, then please write, because the body of, the sheer weight of numbers is important. And thirdly, if you have the time and the capacity to uh, get involved and help to lead this campaign, then please do. And uh, I have, I, I've done some research into it. Um, I've seen, I've talked to people like in Cheshire 
um, and in Norfolk, where they've successfully opposed these, um, these proposals, I think we can win this. And I think that so long as the community gets behind the campaign, we will win this. And I'm very grateful for you all for coming. And I look forward to holding a, uh, uh, a celebration party um, in, uh, in, in, the, in the middle distance future. Thank you very much.